too many movies. I watch too much TV. I have too many kids. And now we're doing a podcast. The Discerning Geeks Portal. And we're back. Welcome, everyone, to another special edition of the Discerning Geeks Portal, where each week we take a discerning look into all things geek. And we're taking a special look each week this time of year into The Mandalorian. It's not really special. We're just not wearing any pants. That's what makes it special. <laughs> well, we can do that with social distancing. <laughs> just, just saying, you know, that's, that's what makes our special edition special. Yeah, no pants. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so this week we'll be looking at the uh, season two, episode three, chapter, chapter 11. eleven of the Mandalorian. And Todd, give us a breakdown or a rundown of this this week's episode. Okay, this week's episode is titled "Chapter Eleven: The Heiress." Injarin's quest leads him to the aquatic moon of Trask and an encounter with his own kind, but not without complications along the way. Uh, this week's episode is starring Misty Rosas as the Frog Lady, John Cameron as the Frog Man, Mercedes Vernado as Costca Reeves, and fans of WWE wrestling might recognize Mercedes Vernado as Sasha Banks. Uh, also starring Simon Cassinatis as Axe Woes. I'm pretty sure I pronounced his last name wrong. Titus Welliver as Imperial Captain. Giancarlo Esposito returns as Moff Gideon, and uh, we might need a spoiler warning here. Are we going to do spoilers this time? I think we talked about it beforehand. We may not be able to avoid it, correct? Yeah, this week's episode, sadly, will contain spoilers, and even just in the rundown, we're going to give a a name that could be a spoiler, so if you're not interested in spoilers, just kind of take a break, go watch the episode, and then come back to us. Um, But yeah, that way we can go ahead and and give a functional rundown because without it, it'll be a very brief episode. But yeah, go ahead and tell us that mystery is now hopefully those that don't want spoilers would have gone ahead and paused the episode. Okay. All right. So here we go. The special guest star this week was Katie Sackoff as Bo-Katan Kreese. Uh, the reason that's a big spoiler is she was already known for voicing that same character in nine episodes of Clone Wars and two episodes of Rebels, both of the animated series. Uh, So this is her debut playing that character in live action. Uh, This week's episode was once again written by Jon Favreau. That's true of all three episodes so far this season. And it was directed by, by Bryce Dallas Howard, the daughter of Ron Howard, who also directed Solo. And Bryce Dallas Howard also directed episode four of season one of The Mandalorian. That episode was called Sanctuary. And I think it's probably my favorite episode from season one. Uh, And Katie Sackhoff, uh, another reason it's a big deal is, you know, a lot of people may recognize her from uh, her role as Starbuck in the original reimagined BSG. I mentioned a few times I'm kind of a fan of the movie trivia Schmodown, which is kind of an offshoot of the YouTube show Schmoes No Show, which was a a live show that the Schmoes guys did once a week there for a while. And uh, there was even one season where Katie Sackhoff was a co-host of that YouTube show. And she now has her own YouTube channel. So if anybody out there is a big fan of Katie Sackhoff, 
check her out on her own channel. Uh, she does things like uh, one of her recent episodes was showing a house that she and her boyfriend are building. Uh, she does things like in, in season one of her YouTube channel, she went to a grocery store and tried to find natural ingredients. And I think she uh, tries to do things about food and fitness. And I know one of her recent episodes has something to do with workouts that she does when preparing for physical roles. So yeah, if anybody is a big fan of her, check her out on YouTube. All right, let's go ahead with just to jump right in and give everybody's preliminary um, feeling on this episode. I know we were only lukewarm on last week's episode, kind of felt like a filler episode. Um, I personally felt like things moved a lot faster in this one and, and kind of took us in a in a very solid direction. What did you guys think? Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> I, I think this was definitely a step up more happened and it was also a very cool episode and definitely a visually stunning episode um but when watching it again because the first time i watched it just to kind of absorb it and then i went back and watched it just a little while ago to take notes there's still not a ton of story there yes there are some big reveals of bo-katan being in the episode and also something that she reveals to din Djarin later but when you really think about it, those two things were the whole point of the episode. Uh, those two things is saying, oh, okay, there are other Mandalorians, including this particular one that we know from the animated series. And then one other thing we'll talk about later. And then everything else in between was just, wow, that's cool. Um, so it, it, it was definitely a step up, but I'm still looking for something a little meatier. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm kind of curious. I kind of get the feel we are. And I mean, the title of the show is The Mandalorian. Um, I, I feel like we're getting a sense of a little bit more direction of where they want to take the show in the future. I could be wrong, but I, I get a feel that we're building up to kind of a reestablishing of Mandalore um, in a sense. What did you guys think? Are you picking up on that vibe or am I the only one? Well, there's a big hint at the end. I mean, uh, by the way, if you haven't watched this episode, what I'm about to say, definitely, like, if you've not gone to go see it, stop now. Because the only <laughs> way for this to make any sense is for me to tell you basically what happens at the very end. Um, okay. Five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. Okay. With the, with the obvious implications that Ahsoka Tano is now going to be in, uh, put into this show as being the Jedi that uh, Mandalore or Mando uh, is being sent to seek. Uh, we have to admit the fact that Ahsoka Tano has become a major star, if not probably the star of the Clone Wars eventually, uh, series, uh, as well as being a major part of Rebels, you know, two, the two animated series that have done, I think, the best when it comes to being... A, an actual series that keeps going uh, and has a ton of fans. And so it's, it's a risk already to bring her in because if they, if they probably do anything slightly wrong, people are going to freak out, but because they're bringing her in, we have to assume just even logically before we've even seen anything about the new episode, that's hopefully will be Friday and hopefully we will see Ahsoka Tano, et cetera, so forth that, 
Asuka Tano is not going to be one of these people that's just going to look at this little creature and go, oh, he's adorable. No, no, she's probably going to freak because she probably never, ever in her life expected to see Yoda again, even though we know this is not Yoda. And, and you know, we know the child has no real name. And we're just referring to it as baby Yoda because it's his species. And as far as we know, that's the only one we've seen. Um, yes, there's some canon speaking of others and a female and blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't matter. Basically, the only one we've ever seen has been Yoda. So that's the reason the child gets referred to as baby Yoda. But this is a person that knew Yoda. This is a person that trained from Yoda. This is a person that knows as soon as she sees this child that uh, whatever she might have possibly known about Yoda is right here all bundled up again in reality in the quote flesh before her again that is going to probably bring back everything that she knows. Um, so it's probably going to be a huge shock to her system plus the implications are huge and could go anywhere. Therefore, the idea of, that you're saying that maybe there is going to be a reestablishment of Mandalore um, is probably highly possible and just as possible as I think anything could be, um, whether it is through direct result or a sideways result. Um, but I think it is coming to that point because really, in, in as far as we know, all we knew was Mando got, had a civil war, the Empire kind of came in, locked things down, and it's not really something you do to the Mandalorians. And everything I've heard, the Mandalorians as people were practically wiped out by the Empire because they constantly rebelled. And so it's entirely possible that this is happening. Yeah, and I, and I have to admit, and I've, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, I have not watched all the Rebels, I've not watched all the Clone Wars, I'm a little behind on a lot of that, um, so I'm kind of getting some of that story secondhand and conversations with other people, watching other videos that tie it all together, um, but this dark saber that was introduced at the end of Season 1 has become kind of like their um, scepter of leadership, their Excalibur for their leader, um, which seems to be kind of what or look or what we're now on the path to. If that yeah. feels is that it's 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 if you really pay attention to the dark saber and how it's designed, it doesn't look like a lightsaber. Um, I mean, it, it does, and it acts like a lightsaber, but when you really look at the handle, like most lightsabers are circular with a, you know, a grip. When you really pay attention to the dark saber, it's, it's grip is like a sword, like what you would see if you went to a museum. Uh, because of that, there is this implication that it was, and nobody really knows how it started. Nobody really knows if long time ago, a Mandalorian took it off a Jedi. Um, because, there's like legends and rumors of kind of like, a, I don't know if it was an evil Jedi or it was just a Jedi with a black saber and he was supposedly very powerful or whatever and got defeated. And that was what Mandalore took as their leadership crown. Or if it was actually created by Mandalore, that Mandalore took the time to try to figure out because they didn't like Jedi, how they could kind of build a, a lightsaber. And they came up with this, this black saber, which is why there's only one of them. But it's kind of based around a vibroblade, which I'm sure a lot of our fans know what a vibroblade is. And it's basically a vibroblade was just basically a sword that had a built-in mechanism that could make it vibrate very fast. So it acted like a lightsaber where it could cut through things very easily. And so that's why this, if you pay attention to the, to the dark saber, it really looks like a sword hilt that happens to have an energy blade as opposed to being 
your standard lightsaber. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think that's, uh, like I said, I'm kind of on the outskirts, so I'm, I'm picking up pieces of this, but I definitely get this vibe that, uh, you know, especially uh, that was the major scene at the very end of, of season one. That, that was the cliffhanger, right? We got to see this dark saber, um, and now it's coming back into play. And now we also have uh, a, a ruler for, you know, these Mandalorians. Um, we have kind of heard that after the purge that they were separated or, or spread kind of and had to go underground to survive. Um, apparently the Mandalorian are, and I forget the name of the, the metal. Todd's always good with these uh, things. Beskar. Beskar. Yeah. The Beskar arm, um, is this metal is even powerful enough to turn lightsaber blades. Um, and and that's one of the reasons that made these Mandalorians so powerful um, and kind of, in a way, put them at odds with the Jedi at some points um, because the Beskar could actually, uh, you know, kind of deflect the, uh, the, the lightsabers, and it definitely does with blaster fire, as we've seen uh, many times. Uh, we see Mondo running in and taking blasts, um, but the, uh, the armor kind of saves him as he's taking these... these Phase, these blasts from the uh, blasters so it's interesting i just i find that that's going to be kind of a direction that we might be going to is maybe this is going to be an, a, a reestablishment of mandaloria uh mandor mandalore um and and maybe they can get their people back together and that's what we're kind of hinting at um but i do find it interesting you know they're pointing to ashoka for him getting in touch with Jedi, but then, and again, you guys know probably better than me. My understanding is that she's not a Jedi anymore. She's kind of turned her back on the Jedi Order. Is that correct? Technically. 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 She she was okay. Oh Lord, we have to educate Dave. <laughs> oh it, oh! Please please give us the short version. This is only a three-hour show. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying my best. Um, season five, which is the original uh, ending to Clone Wars on TV, you know, of course, continued on Netflix. Um, the the final episodes were were very good, and what happens is Ahsoka is accused of setting off a bomb uh, that killed people, and she's trying to pr- produce her, her her innocence. And the only person who actually believes her is Anakin. It ends up so far that the Jedi Council actually expels her from the Jedi Order, and she's put on trial by the Republic uh, and by who eventually would become Moff Tarkin um, for it. She eventually proves her, proves her innocence and the Jedi Council kind of gives her apology and welcomes her back and she's lost all faith in them. And so she walks away. Anakin tries to tries to get her to stop, to, to stay, but she says, I, I can't. She, I, you know, they've, they've broken my trust because they didn't believe me. And so she walks away from the Jedi Order. And then, of course, you have to watch the other episodes to kind of figure out how she comes back and how she's kind of asked back. But in a way, she's never really brought into the Jedi Order because even in the season seven on Netflix, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people that are, might listen to this will understand, um, there's a moment where um, somebody says something along the lines of, um, uh, I can't really talk about that because it's Jedi business or something. And 
Ahsoka goes, well, I'm not actually a Jedi. And then there's an, another time when it actually turns against her because one of the person, one of the people goes, I, I actually can't discuss that with because you're just a citizen. And so it's never that she actually really comes back to the Jedi Order, but she is trained. I mean, basically for all intents and purposes, she is a Jedi Knight. She has all that training and everything. She just officially wasn't on the records, which may actually help to be one of the reasons why she survived um, Order 66, because I'm sure a lot of hunters just got a list and said, these are the Jedi we know are still around. And because Ahsoka Tano had been cast out, that was it. Probably nobody knew where the heck she was. And so that probably actually helped her make it as far as she did. Well, and it would be interesting to see, and I don't know if they would, but if there is a little bit of a resolution to her story, kind of as we go into the Mandalorian or through the Mandalorian, um, just because I think it's it's kind of interesting that you have this Jedi that's out there and still surviving as we go through the, the New Hope and, and those movies. But it's never shown and never becomes involved in anything. So it would be interesting to see, you know, if we kind of get a reason as to why. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think so. Because Rebels answers a little bit of it, of kind of like her getting involved in that whole conflict of the Galactic Civil War, so to speak. But you still really don't know. Because you would assume, you know, at some point, well, where was she? You know, what was she doing that was so important that... You know, when Luke Skywalker popped up and every rebel knew Luke Skywalker, uh, where was she? Why didn't, why didn't Ahsoka, why, what was she doing that was either so clandestine or so important that she didn't need to involve herself with Luke? Or was it even so much as simply maybe Yoda appeared to her and said, uh, the chosen one is back and we need you to, Stay out of it. I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't want to get too off far off topic because yeah. we are wanting to focus our. This is more view of the Mandalorian. Um, yeah, too late. <laughs> and especially this episode. But I think it's also important for those kind of like myself who haven't seen those to get a better understanding of the the history and those other elements that are going on because having kind of. I, I kind of already knew some and I intentionally heard and kind of learned more and, and watched some videos and talked to other people about learning more about this, these characters, you know, when the Mandalorian showed up, it's just kind of like, Oh, there's a couple of Mandalorians and it doesn't mean as much if they're not attached to those shows, you get a background of, no, this is an character. And this person is attached to this person who is attached to this person. Um, it's like, you know, seven degrees Six. of Kevin Bacon or whatever, you know, it's like we have yeah, seven degrees of Mandalorian. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You got the seven Six. degrees of Luke Skywalker. Or whoever. I, would like to, I would like to point out the uh, obviously clear difference of factions that evidently has arisen because when they um, when I was watching the episode and, and the other Mandalorian showed up to help Mando, um, I was like, oh, Death Watch, because the colors because I had watched Clone Wars and I was like, that's Death Watch colors. And then I realized who was there and I was like, okay, yeah, she's technically Death Watch, but not really because she kind of left Death Watch. But then I got to listening to what they were saying about, oh, he's one of them. 
because they took their helmets off. And as soon as they did, you know, he immediately went, where did you get that armor? As in, you're not real Mandalorians because everything that I've learned is you don't take your helmet off ever, you know? Uh, and that's all we've gotten for like a season and two episodes was about the way and how, you know, you don't do this and you don't do that and you don't do this. And then you realize that when they're talking that the supposed true Mandalorians are not necessarily snickering at him, but they're kind of like, he's, it's one of them. And you realize, okay, there's two, two factors here. When I first watched it, knowing Clone Wars, and I went, Death Watch? Why is Death Watch helping Mando? Because why would they give a crap? You know, that kind of thing. And then the way they got to talking, I realized it was actually flipped. And I think if anybody pays attention and has watched Clone Wars, they're going to realize, oh, I just realized that if, that if what they're saying is right, I'm completely backwards. He's Death Watch, which changes a lot of things about Mando and his character and the teachings that he's learned. Because... If you've watched the episode, you realize that Death Watch was the people that were like, no, we are warriors, pure warriors, total warriors. There is, you rule through strength, that kind of thing. That changes that character a lot by knowing that backstory of realizing that he may not necessarily be what is, quote, Death Watch, but if he's learning the the dogma of what would be, quote, Death Watch from the Clone Wars, then the potential of good guy, bad guy gets really muddled. And so it's kind of interesting to me that does know some of this history of the Clone Wars and et cetera and so forth, that it is actually, I guess in a way it does prove exactly what I kind of said one time, which is it's the good guys wear black because well, that's kind of what that is. And they even make a reference to him being one of the watch, I think is the way they say it. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I think you're right. I think there's a that, that we're learning that he is of that faction. And again, just kind of outside research, um, the Watch were, I think, banished to the moon at one point of Mandalore and kind of set up their own little place there. But yeah, they're the more rule by strength, like you said, uh, and fighters where the rest of the Mandalorians had become peaceful. Or try yeah, to were, become pacifists in a way. They were well, it wasn't pacifists. They were trying to be more diplomatic because typically Mandalore always handled their problems with if you had a problem with them, they fought you. You see what I'm saying? Right. And, that and was the strong the whole, leads, yeah, yeah, and the strong leads, and that was the whole point of Queen Sabine. I think not was it not Sabine, uh, but the but the, but the queen or the heiress's sister, you know, so to speak. Uh, she was really big in trying to do that where it was like, you know, we're not going to uh, just fight everybody because that's what we used to do. And it never did anything, you know, that kind of thing. And so being more diplomatic and that was where all the con conflict and stuff came from. Um, I do like in this episode, the fishing town, I think it's great. <laughs> I love the fact that you just have all these Mon Calamari and, and I think it's Corrin. I think that that's, that's the other species or subspecies that was on, I don't know if subspecies is the right word from Mon Calamari that were here and fishing. And, and we mentioned this last episode about how we're, we're, we're getting to see kind of like the, not the big fancy cities, but like, Hey, here's a little village somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And I have to say that I laughed out loud. It's a dumb joke, but I laughed out loud when he landed. It was so great. We're oh, you're just yeah. watching it. It's like, oh my god, is he going to pull this off? And it's just, 
you know, and he gets right there to it. He goes, okay, and he pushes a button, and the jets fire up, and he's like, and there's, and then it just as soon, just karma completely. Well, that wasn't so bad, was it? Then, bang, you know, that one engine kicks out and just, poof, just rolls over right into the, right into the drink. <laughs> And you're just, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, that looks about right for the end of the last episode. Like how that kind of just, I just sank the ship. That's just all there's to it. Yeah, I had that as one of my positives too. <laughs> oh, did you like it too? I'm glad because yeah. I'm sorry. I know it's such, a, it's such a, it's such a cliche joke, and it was one of those where I guess you, in a way you should have saw it coming, but I still just laughed out loud because it was just like, oh, poor Mando, uh, poor you know, poor Razor. It's that that poor ship, you know. Um, so I do ponder if the armors are different because have you guys been noticing that? And it started with Boba's armor, and I didn't realize it until this episode that his armor is really different than the other Mandalorian's armor. There, there. It's not just because it's silver and shiny. There's something literally different about it. Like I, I think if you actually go back and watch it and look at it, and you see the Mandalorian's armor and the and I guess his belt, uh, 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 golly, what's the type of metal, Todd? Beskar. Beskar, thank you. I wanted to say Belkar. Um, Beskar armor. I, 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 it just appears different. It just looks like it's built different. And it also looks like, it, it, and to me, I guess in a way it was proven by when they were pinned down in the hallway and they're trying to figure out how to get to the bridge and those uh troopers have got those repeating flashes and then he just go he's just he's kind of looking at him like fine i'll do it and runs forward and you know he takes all those shots on the armor and that armor didn't even get scorched i mean it just ping 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 like he was a tank and then was able to take him out it doesn't appear like the other armor could have done that it does not look to me like the other mandalorian armor could have done that and I think that's actually might be reference to a very little episode that was in the uh, cartoon series. And I cannot remember if it was Clone Wars or if it was Rebels. But I think at one point, the Empire actually in- invented a weapon that would turn the armor against the Mandalorians. It, it, I think it was some kind of strange electrical weapon. And it would actually react with the armor that Mando's carrying and, or wearing. In which basically it literally turns against its owner. Was it something called an arc pulse generator? Yeah, something like that. It, it has something to do with with how to protect themselves from because the Mandalorian armor was so blaster proof that they were like, you know, how do we defeat this? And and one of their like weird little scientists came up with this kind of weird electrical thing that when they popped it off, somehow it reacted with the actual armor and doubled the electrical effect, and it would basically just poof them. It would just yeah. Fry. But- yeah because i yeah because i looked up beskar and there's an article on it at wikipedia and in the history section there's a little thumbnail that shows somebody in mandalorian armor who is covered in shocks or sparks uh electricity and it says the arc pulse generator targets a clan ren warriors beskar armor but you're talking about how his is different it could be that maybe not everybody has beskar because they made a point of that in the first season of him getting Beskar. He already had armor before that that looked Mandalorian in nature. Yeah. But apparently it wasn't Beskar or maybe a lower grade of it or something. But they made a special point that one of his first missions, the prize for that was a load yeah. of Beskar. And that he had the uh, armor smith make him a new set of armor that was Beskar. So it could be that it's pretty rare and that not everybody has it. Well, I knew that much that it was 
rare. But you know what? That does pose a question. I'm gonna have to go back and watch like the first episode because what is it? It's the first two episodes of that whole thing happens because it's about him going to get the baby, right? And that's he's gonna be rewarded with the best car. Uh, metal. I think so, yeah. And so I'm gonna I need to go back and watch the first episode and, and take a look at his armor because I know that he had some of it, or I thought he had some of it. I wasn't sure if a whole new suit was made, but then again, maybe I'm wrong. It might have been, but yeah, you could definitely tell. I think when you watch this, there's an obvious difference between his Mandalorian armor and the regular Mandalorian. I'm not saying that the Mandalorians are not badasses. I'm not saying that their armor can't take hits. I'm just saying that I don't know. You could just see an obvious difference in his and the other, I think. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. What else did you guys like about the episode? What didn't you like about the episode? Well, I, I've got some likes, but they don't really relate to, to Mandalorian stuff that much. Um, That's okay. I, I don't know if I've mentioned this in any episodes that we've released. I might've mentioned an episode that we haven't released yet, but the whole Mandalorian thing doesn't totally interest me that much. I think mm-hmm. because most of it is introduced and developed via the Clone Wars cartoon, which I never could get into. And yes, it's addressed some in Star Wars, Star Wars Rebels, but a lot of Rebels has already kind of left my head. So a lot of that stuff doesn't totally resonate with me. But I do have some positives, but it has mostly to do with little moments. Like we've already mentioned how the Razor Crest, you know, has a very hard landing. I love it when Frog Lady yeah. is is reunited with her husband. And also, we were talking last week about how it was kind of creepy. Baby Yoda was eating those eggs of, of sentient people. Uh, and this week, it, it kind of serves him right that that creature that was in his stew attacks him and his food fights back. <laughs> yeah, um, which, which, by the way, I, I forgot about that scene, but that is funny when it's hell when he's like, stop playing with your food. And he just pulls out a dagger and just goes, stab. <laughs> and, and it's like no big deal. And it just falls back into the soup. But yeah, that was pretty funny. I will say that. And there were some amazing visuals this week. In fact, this might be the most visually stunning of the entire series and not necessarily uh, you know how when reviewed solo, I made a big deal about how it looked kind of drab and yeah. and dirty and dark and everything. And I'll admit that's what this episode was too, but not all of it. And it's okay because this was just an episode, not an entire movie that was, mm. that was drab. Uh, so I'm okay with it. But think about it. The the visuals of them on that fishing ship oh, yeah. and how it's in the ocean. And there's no way that they actually built that ship and were on the ocean. You know, they're using a lot of, green screen, blue screen, uh, computer graphics, stuff like that. It's amazing what they pulled off and how realistic it looked. And it I think so- a lot of that has to do with that new technology they have too, that where it's, it's green screen, but it's not green screen. You know, well, it, isn't it kind of like how instead of in the old days where you would have a matte painting behind something, now they actually have a wraparound screen that is digital yeah. and can actually show those images yeah. live instead of having a green screen and they're inserted later. They're actually right there on set. Yeah, so they can, you can see actually, what they're seeing. In other yeah, words, like yeah. when the guy goes, there's a mountain over there. You can see the mountain. It's there. Yeah. And and so it allows them, it allows the re- actors to react to it because that's always been the problem with green screen. Because you have this big green screen. Like, remember watching some of the uh, special features of like uh, Lord of the Rings? And it shows that one where like, uh, you know, they're in the, they're in, uh, they're doing forced perspective, but they're also like, it's Gandalf and all the dwarves or, 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 or what have you, like in, in the smaller one. And it's Gandalf by himself on a, on a set with all this green stuff. And he yeah. has to act like Frodo and everybody else is there uh, or the dwarves or anybody else is there. And he's just by himself. And it's just, 
and and he i think if you remember if, if you watch some of it he talks about how hard it is because yeah. nobody's there well now with this new technology they can actually put everybody kind of together and and have have it going to where people can actually react to the things that they see and yeah i'm sure that had to be a lot of it where you know you you put that boat on a you know you, you have a green platform so you can put the water beneath it but basically the boat's on the platform and it's moving and then all, and all you see all the way around you 360 degrees is just this ocean so that you can react to it i'm sure that helps a lot to realize where you are and yeah. what it's supposed to do and yeah i have to say that too i love that scene too where the guy's like oh yeah i'll take you out there and, and then of course the little screwballs try to eat feed baby yoda to whatever the hell that thing was and yeah, and there's a lot of technology in Star Wars, this anti-gravity technology, so there are a lot of things that, that float. We've seen that happen with big stuff, little stuff. It was kind of nice to see something that was actually in the water. It was a true boat. Yeah, now and, uh, and, I, and I agree with that, too. That was really fun. Now, if you still pay attention, there's thrusters on the back of it. It's, it's still like, you know, fusion or ion-powered or whatever it is. It's, it's upgraded, but yet it's still a boat. The thing floats, you know. It's, that's what it's meant to do. Yeah. So, it, yeah, th that was really nice too. I thought to see a fishing trawler from Star Wars. And, and then I mentioned how, yes, the visuals are kind of drab and everything, extremely well done, but are kind of drab. But then there was that beautiful shot of the sunset when the Mandalorians blow up that boat and mm -hmm. you see them take off and they kind of go off in different directions and there's the sun behind it. And then the, the ship just blows up. I, I thought that was really well done. Yeah. I enjoyed the freighter. I thought the Imperial freighter yeah. was really well. I don't know why I liked that, the design of that ship and what it looked like. I know it was just a stupid freighter, but I have to say, I was, I really liked the look of that Imperial freighter. They, they mentioned how the Imperial troopers kind of worked on this boat. They were like, this isn't your father's empire, you know? And from the way that they talked, I have to kind of agree with them that, you know, back in the day when we used to watch the Empire, it was it was full of confidence. It was full of we're going to do this, we're going to be able to do this, we're going to be able to do this. Go after them, go get them, that kind of thing. And really, even though, yeah, you know, the whole jokes about stormtroopers can't hit nothing and all that kind of stuff, they were still they were still aggressive. Does that make sense? In other words, it was it was oh somebody's attacking us, go get them, and they would go into battle. Whether they won or lost, they they were like, we're the empire, we're we're the good guys, whatever. We're going after them. And yet, if you kind of really pay attention to this, when the Mandor when the Mandalorians attack the boat, uh, they're falling back. They really seem very confused. They really don't seem to know what to do. They're kind of attacking in really dumb ways because there's lots of times I'm watching this going, why are these guys just running down the hallway? You know, in in such a you know, the Mandalorians are like behind cover. They're like, boom. And there's cover. You could see cover. Like there's another doorway, et cetera. So now these guys are just charging down the hallway until they finally get to where an officer is who kind of goes, you stand behind there and you stand behind that and you stand behind this and you stand behind this. And then when they come to the door, we'll blast them. The Empire we saw before, which was, you know, this is before Return of the Jedi, et cetera, so forth, was an Empire that was on the move, was going to get it done that, you know, they're going to be aggressive and have all this technology and, and we're going to, they're going to whip your butt. But this empire now is really kind of on the verge of defeat that they really aren't organized. They really aren't all together. And they're kind of they're They've lost that edge of we're the empire. Now it's more of like, eh, we're the empire. Yay. Yeah. No, I, I, I think one of my favorite scenes was, you know, the, the Mandalorians are on the raider attack 
and the one guy in the cargo holds like seal all the doors and he echoes up or calls up front and it's like yeah we've sealed them into the something cargo control room and the guy at the front's like what room <laughs> right the back, and then and the back them door all out. blows them all out and it's like because you can just like that's another one of those oh good and it's like yep, there they go because <laughs> it's like hey we don't have to we don't have to shoot them that's even better yeah i was going to bring that up as one of my positives is i love the facial expressions on basically the entire crew of the freighter you know the the pilot guy the captain the guy yeah. back in the car they all have these great facial expressions and things that they're yelling out and and the way they look at each other and everything because every step of the way the Mandalorians, like I said, I'm not that much into the backstory of the Mandalorians, but I accept and enjoy the idea that they are warriors that people recognize on site and they're they're very they're eh, that they are very afraid of. So, like when they say there are ten people attacking, and then they realize, oh no, there are only four. Well, how can that be? And then somebody says they're wearing Mandalorian armor. Everybody's like, seal the door, seal the door. <laughs> <laughs> and then then they start freaking out. Yeah, and then they're like, where are you right now? It, Oh, they're they have the controls, and the whole time the pilot it's guy. It's okay, is just, sir. I've locked him in the explosive room. What? <laughs> yeah, and the whole time the pilot is looking over at the copilot, and he just he I don't he don't, probably only had like one or two lines of dialogue, but his facial expressions are priceless because the whole time he's just like, "We are so screwed. We are so screwed." <laughs> yeah, and, and, there's, and there's there's a time or two that the captain has that same expression, like, "Oh no, what now?" Yeah. Typically, when you normally watch a, a Star Wars film or you start watch an episode along these lines, you, you follow the guys that are attacking. You know, these are the, there's your heroes. Follow your heroes. But in this, they flipped it, in which your heroes are busy, so you're not watching them fight because they're fighting, and you can hear it. You know, pew 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 pew. And so what you're hearing is the other side, the poor SOBs that are being attacked and how they're trying to deal with it. And in in a way, you do. It is rather interesting to see that side because you don't normally see it in which, you know, uh, uh, oh, crap, we, we've been assaulted. OK, send guys after him. OK, that didn't work. All right. Try this. OK, we'll, we'll build a defensive position here. Uh, uh, what, what do we do? Uh, well, we can't we can't take off yet. Screw it. Take off now. And so they just totally break protocols because they're under attack. And then the different layers of plans that like the captain's attempting to do, like, you know, he's like, OK, we got to get up in space. We got to get to hyperspace really quick. And then when we get out to where we're to where we're going see they'll be screwed because it'll be the whole fleet whatever's left of it uh around this one freighter and you know that kind of thing if they can hold them off and then eventually it ends up being where nope, we've lost the ship and of course the commander guy's like yeah you've lost the ship you, you know what to do and that also i kind of prove proves that point where it's like uh yeah there's no rescue we're, you know it used to be that the empire would be like yes we're sending the star destroyer right now you know, way overcompensating for what's happening, but we're sending the Star Destroyer. Now it's, no, go down with your ship because you're screwed and we're not going to waste the resources of coming to get you. And so you kind of do get this idea that either the Empire is very desperate or it's just literally cutting its losses at every turn. That, oops, oh, you got attacked by pirates? Too bad. I thought it was a, a redeeming moment, Baby Yoda, with the frog people. He's he was there bonding with their tadpole. I, I thought that was kind of an interesting play, especially as much 
press and 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 kind of play it got the you know oh how horrible it was kind of as I was reading different reviews and things that uh you know baby Yoda was eating the the eggs you know it was kind of neat that the the frog lady and, and her husband um kind of took baby Yoda in for the time being and then even introduced him to their their child it was kind of a, a little bit of a redeeming moment uh, for him. Did you guys catch on that at all, or that was intentional? Uh, I'm, was, I'm still worried. Yeah, still I, would, worried? I, I would have to say, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. You were ready for him to pop it in his mouth. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I, I really, I really was. Like, like, oh, your baby's cute. <laughs> yep, I was waiting for the horror show to happen. But I have to say, but it was still adorable when Mando comes in and like picks him up, and you could tell Baby Yoda's like squirming, like no, my friend, you know. And it's it's really adorable. It's really cute because anybody my lunch, my kid. My lunch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it is possible. I still give it a fifty-fifty. I really don't know. I have to be with Todd on this. I give it a fifty-fifty at best that it was either oh no, I love him, he's my friend, let me stay with my pal, and yes, what Todd said wait my lunch i'm not done yet you know um to where uh you know it is kind of one of those funny things where yeah hmm, it's 50 50 because baby yoda will evidently eat anything like even even remember where they're taking off you know and the guy's like i gave you a thousand credits this is the best you could do you know that kind of thing and there's like netting all over the place and weird like wires and everything holding the ship together and then like you know the random weird starfish with you know teeth comes out and starts creeping toward baby yoda and you're like that's not gonna be good and then of course you know mando catches it in the next scene immediately after that he fed it to baby yoda because oh, baby yeah. yoda was like and it's just like wait a minute what does this kid not eat you know seriously because, you know which there's a lot of people out there in 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 uh, theory land, I guess, like we are, that are actually going that they think that Baby Yoda may actually uh, grow pretty soon. That that's the reason he's so hungry all the time. That like he's about to go through a growth spurt. You know, it's fifty years. At some point, he's got to get bigger. And because he's kind of started making noises, you know, he started kind of talking, so to speak. Even if it is baby goat, and the fact that he's just hungry, hungry. It seems that he's just hungry all the time. That there's there's kind of this theory going that at some point Baby Yoda may grow. Uh, and evidently, maybe his species, the way it is, it is it's long lived, but maybe their growth periods are like very, very quick. And so they eat all this food, store up all this energy, and then it's bam, you know, just suddenly, you know, you know, he'll grow like a foot and you don't know why. It's just, it's just how he is, you know, and then he'll be a, you know, an adolescent or, or maybe a small child for 50 years and then eventually go through another growth, you know, so it's who knows. And it would be good if that were to happen because one of the things I have under neutral observations is the question, what will Din and Baby Yoda do without the floating capsule now? Because that kind of got wrecked by that creature that tried to eat him. Yeah. So he's going to have to be on his feet from now on, either that or like being carried around in a bag or something. Uh, so it would be good if he were to grow some so that it would be a little bit easier for him to walk around on his own. Okay, we know that this Yo Baby Yoda figure is very powerful in the force we've already seen him do healing levitations and and things of those natures so we know that he has power in the force stop me if i'm wrong though we 
the force itself does not necessarily make him a good, positive person. That is correct. You know, it's his use of the force, either for the good or the dark side, that will determine kind of the path of how he goes. That's correct. And so it's interesting that his tutelage as a child as he has all of this power is next to this Mandalorian. Right. Um, and it'll be interesting to see which direction they kind of take that and go in the future as to, you know, this, we could be shaping, you know, baby Yoda Sith Lord. Um, <laughs> I don't know that that would be the direction that they would. Want well, to it go. depends on how you, it depends on how you look at it because Din Djarin is still doing relatively good things. Now he is killing people in the process and Yoda or baby Yoda is witnessing that, but the real adult Yoda, we have seen him kill people too. Uh, think about oh, yeah. when I think it was when order 66 was given, um, when he mm-hmm. was on Kashyyyk and he beheaded two, uh, stormtroopers, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he'd so, be in two of his own or, or troopers. clone troopers. Yeah, clone troopers. But each Jedi had his own army, and so you have to assume that Yoda was assigned an army too. So these are not necessarily just clone troopers he didn't know. Right. Uh, this but was he, like he was fighting. He was leading them. He was their general. Yeah, he, yeah. He had been there. Like these were like supposedly, as far as we know, were his guys. Now I don't exactly know if that was translated in Return of the Jedi, in, in uh, not Return of the Jedi, but in Revenge of the Sith. But it's one of those where if he sensed enough in the force that they were going to kill him, if he knew them as well as he knew them, if they had decided they were going to kill him, then he already knew what he had to do. But it right. wasn't it wasn't anything that he could trans. It wasn't anything he could negotiate with. He realized right. his, his life was at threat. I have to take him out because I do know these people. And once they've decided that they're going to do it, they're going to do it. There is no right. turning back. Well, and, yeah. uh, yeah. well we, we, we kind of got off on a tangent there, but my yeah. point was that even Jedi on the good side are still warriors. And we yes. have seen that they are not like Batman. They don't have a no kill policy. They will sometimes take lives and still be considered good forces of good on the Jedi side. Correct. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's the whole technical, it's the whole technically we try everything and you know, you were right. Master negotiations were short, you know, that kind of thing um, to where if their life comes under the threat or, or, the ultimate goal of what they're trying to do is under threat. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes well, I mean, they, they are they, Jedi they knights. They are yeah. fighters. Um, and so, yeah, I think there is definitely, um, you know, the, the fighting doesn't necessarily or, or create someone being bad. Um, it's just curious to see how this youngling, you know, this, um, this baby or child, um, uh, interpret, and be able to use these memories that are being formed now and creating them into whatever they will be in the future. You know, whether that be something kind of to the tune of a Jedi Knight or like I said, a Sith Lord, I don't know yet. Uh, but there is, you know, and I've kind of almost thought about it in a way with you know him eating everything. And yeah. Yeah. Is, is he taking what he wants because he's seen that from Mando or is he taking yeah. what he wants because he's just hungry? Is right. it because he's just a kid or is it because he's, he's been like, you know, when Mando doesn't get what he needs, Mando kind of takes it. Yep. And is that what he's learning or is it something else? And I think maybe that's why that may be why they're bringing in Ahsoka. Cause mm-hmm. I have a feeling that probably what's going to happen is a, why would you leave him with Mando? 
I, I would assume that either Ahsoka Tano takes over Baby Yoda in order to take Baby Yoda to where he's supposed to go, or Mando's going to find out that maybe that is the last one that they're that you know where Yoda was from nobody ever really knew, and so it, it is like I'll teach him how to do this. You know, I could teach him the ways of the Jedi. And, you know, you could teach him everything else, you know, or something like that. Or is it one of those where maybe Ahsoka takes Baby Yoda so that Mando can be on his own? I mean, it's really interesting. There's a lot of different ways this this, this next episode probably could be very important when it comes to the direction his, of the show. His quest is technically to reunite him with the Jedi. Well, reunite him with his people. Yeah. And uh, so if the Jedi if the Jedi are not necessarily his people. Right, that's true. And not only that, that's what Ahsoka's gonna tell him. There are no Jedi anymore. And and yeah. he'll be like, Well, aren't you one? And she'll be like, No. Because she's never she's never gone back that she is a Jedi. But then there is the I think it was a statement made in the first season as he kind of took this, you know baby Yoda on that they were of clan of two. So I I will even take it a little bit further out of three context than just in, you know, Disney many making star Wars world. Um, I don't know how quick they will be to sideline baby Yoda because that's where they're seeing the cash cow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I understand that too. But what I'm saying though is, it, it depends on how they decide to do it. I mean, if you really think about it, there's so many different things. I mean, is, does that mean Ahsoka joins them? Do they become a clan of three? Right. Uh, is is Ahsoka just an episode type thing? Because I mean, we haven't seen Boba again. We saw this that. We saw that nice little hint at the end of the very first one, where oh yeah, he did make it. But it, it also appears so far, unless something happens later in the season, that that's it that Boba has evidently stepped away from what he was doing and is fine living as a hermit or out in the desert on Tatooine. Fine, whatever. Um, but we see that too. We don't really know if we'll ever see this heiress again either. Now we kind of feel that we will because she's stealing weapons to retake Mandalore. And because he's a Mandalorian, so to speak, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of deal worked out. Then you also have Ahsoka Tano, such a big, name that right. if you add her to the to the show yeah but it's also one of those where do you take a chance with one episode with her and then see how it goes and then go okay let's bring ahsoka back and see what happens now you know that kind of thing so who uh, knows i want to make sure we have time for everybody to in their their negatives and things like that and we're already kind of running a little bit long and then I've got one more question just kind of on the, the future of this and where you think we're headed. Um, but does anybody have any like any other positives or negatives that they want to give about this episode that they want to flush us out with before uh, we move on? I think I've already said what my negative was, was that there's just there's still not quite that much story there, despite how cool the episode is. And that that's basically it. I did have a quote, though. Um, We've already kind of talked about it when Din Djarin takes Baby Yoda to the frog people. Um, the quote I have is, you are going to stay here, so I want you to be respectful and mind your matters. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Basically saying, don't eat the frog people. Uh, so yeah, I, thought is, that was, I thought that, that was, was pretty, pretty good. funny. Uh, um, I think, um, oh, go ahead, Todd. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. 
Well, the only other thing I was going to bring up, because I, I think I've, ex I think the other little points I have are kind of insignificant. The only other thing is, yeah, I know that Ahsoka Tano was kind of a, a big spoiler if people haven't kept up with news. However, the person playing Ahsoka Tano has already been cast, and I think that casting news came out in March. So it kind of, yeah, so it kind of depends on how closely you're watching Star Wars news as to whether this was a big spoiler that Ahsoka Tano would be alive and somehow be involved or not. I'm pondering if uh, I'm pondering Mando's role because we the very first episode he was very much from season one, in which you have leader. You know he's kind of like the leader. We're going to do this. We're going to go this way. We're going to do this way. And an episode of season two, we got that as well. Where this is where we're going. Blah blah blah. We're going to do this. I have a plan and all that kind of stuff. These last two episodes have really kind of set Mando in the back, where he's not really the guy in charge at the time. Like yeah, I know he is when he's supposedly ferrying the frog lady but not really because he's kind of taxi boy and in this one he's kind of like the tag along um and i'm wondering if if maybe this season is kind of doing that in order to help maybe build up to something in the later season in which um maybe mandalo mandalo jesus lord have mercy um mando um maybe for a few episodes here at the beginning and and, and maybe a little bit continuing in season two we're going to have mando kind of take a a more observer protectorate kind of stance and we're going to see the other kind of guests in the series take take over and decide this is what we're going to do this we're going to do this we're going to do until maybe like uh, dave said it gets to a point where you know he kind of realizes wait i need to be in charge here because the whole reason we've, everything's been screwing up is because I've been letting other people do it. And I don't know if that's maybe I'm a little off base with that or not, but yeah, I would actually call that a negative because it doesn't appear like he's in control at the moment. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot kind of still up in the air. Um, I think there's definitely a, a spot that we're going to have to, you know, what his role in all um, kind of tying into the bigger world. Um my next question is just kind of predictions for the next episode. Um, we have mentioned that, uh, you know, we're nearing or his part of his quest to get to Ashoka um, and, and get this baby, you know, put there with this major character that a lot of people are, but I, I've heard kind of some rumors that they kind of have another filler episode next week and i just know what you guys thought or if you wanted to even venture a guess or does it matter to you uh or you think we'll go straight in and, and get to, to get to ashoka and, and it's ashoka ashoka yeah i'm yeah. sorry, sorry. I, I don't want angry emails enunciate enunciate again I can't, I, I, can't, I can't talk either it's all good this is not a character that i'm familiar with i don't i didn't get that far into the series so. that tano chick yeah her the yeah. one with the horny things and blue and white and all yeah. that orange skin mom um ahsoka yes sorry so you uh, so you've heard that there's going to be a filler episode before they get to uh, ahsoka um, it's um, kind of a prediction that i've heard that they're well it's entirely possible because you would think that it would probably be a little difficult to find her i mean maybe not they might be right going right there to it because i mean we really don't know how the structures however we do know one thing we know there's a fleet out there an imperial fleet um because 
it's been mentioned and what that was where the freighter was trying to go uh, i'm sure that's going to play a role especially seeing that we saw the uh, uh moff whatever the name is uh darken or whatever it is i don't know um give that order about how like you know you you know what to do and you know he shot his pilots and then he himself eventually commits suicide um uh, so i'm sure that fleet's going to play a role and who knows maybe that's what the filler episode is that maybe on the way to uh try to find Ahsoka, uh, Mando, <laughs> Mando runs across his fleet. I mean, we, he's run across a couple of rebel pilots. I mean, who yeah. knows? Maybe that, that might be interesting, uh, because we haven't had that yet. That might be interesting to see if like Mando like jumps into some place and he ends up jumping in right into the middle of like a battle between the Imperial fleet and maybe what the Republic or the rebellion fleet. I honestly believe that when Mando shows up, finds Ahsoka and shows her, baby Yoda or gets anywhere near her, I think she's going to freak. I really do. Uh, I think she's been so... If if everything that we've led to believe has been believed, that even though she's had some contact with a, with a little bit of Jedi from, like, Rebels, which was, you know, the Padawan trying to teach the other, the kid, like, how to use his Force powers, et cetera, so forth, I still think that just the mere sight of another, quote, Yoda... Uh, is just going to literally freak her out. And I think that's going to be interesting to see. And I might be wrong. She might take it with a Jedi calm, but I don't know. I just have this feeling that as soon as she lays eyes on him, on Baby Yoda, it's just going to be, did she just faint? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. We'll see. I, I, I'm not very good at directing, or excuse me, uh, predicting things as far as story goes. But looking at Wikipedia, supposedly the director of the next episode is still written by John Favreau, but it's directed by Carl Weathers. And that's the same guy that plays Grief Karga in six episodes of season one. So I'm more familiar with him as an actor. I don't know if he's that much of a director. I'm skimming through IMDb right now. He does have 13 director credits. So he has done some stuff before, and it looks like some of it has been TV. Uh, oh, some of it's even been for Silk Stockings that we talked about in the What Are You Doing episode. Uh, but, uh, maybe it's a sexy episode. Well, oh, maybe so. But considering that, I would say that, yeah, next week is probably a transitional episode. Uh, oh, maybe we'll get a detective story. Oh, uh, maybe, that would oh, be fun. That, that would be cool. But episode five is both written and directed by Dave Filoni who is the guy that was the, I think, uh, I can't remember the term for it, but a special executive director or something of Clone Wars and the executive producer of uh, Rebels. I think he might even be the person who helped create the character of Ahsoka Tano along with George Lucas. So I'm thinking Ahsoka Tano isn't coming till episode five. And I think uh, episode four is another transitional episode. That seems like a better fit as far as bringing that character, as far as matching them with directors and things like that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think. Yeah, that makes sense with him being with him being episode five, because that's the guy that basically created Clone Wars and Rebels. He's he's the guy that was so passionate about it. He wanted to show he wanted to show the in-between parts and and I think really saved. I hate to say it, but he saved Star Wars. But anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, all right. Well, unless you guys have any parting shot, oh, I've got I've got a grade. That's all. Oh, that's right. 
You got a grade for this episode. Do you remember what you gave last episode? Yeah, a C, a C plus, C plus. And the yes. one before that was a B. Okay. So yeah, this one, I, yeah, this one I would say is definitely the best episode of the season. As I said, it was extremely cool, had great visuals, great acting. I love all the facial expressions and, and the way the Mandalorians uh, really kick butt and everything. Um, I still feel like there needs to be a slightly meatier story and some more character development. And so I think the episode was as cool as possible without having those meteor elements. So I'm comfortable giving this an A minus. Ooh. Okay. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Uh, yeah, I have to agree. I mean, I'm not, I don't have really have a rating for it, but I have to agree because the dialogue in this one was also very much fun. Don't get me wrong. I loved the first one. I thought the first one was just fun as heck. Uh, but yeah, this was definitely a, a, an improvement. Because uh, there, there's actually some very quotable moments actually in this uh, that were fun and come from people that you don't really expect, like you know, you know, the one where he, where he's leaving. And it's like I expect you to be respectful, and you know what I'm talking about. Definitely a an action packed episode. I think I would definitely rate this right around a nine out of ten. So um, it's a lot of fun. It's hard to be meaty with the, the episodes are so quick. You know, it's not like an hour, hour and a half episode. Where so I have to forgive a little bit of that, but uh, yeah, nine out of 10. But yeah, um, hope you guys are enjoying these episodes. If you all make sure you spread the word, we're still uh, making sure that these are something that you guys want to hear. Um, email us, let us know. We'll continue doing our regular episodes and filling in with these where we can. But that being said, just know that we're kind of on a little bit different schedule. Um, sadly, I think our last Mandalorian episode just came out like yesterday. But bear with us as we uh, continue to, to put these episodes out. And we're also going to have some more regular episodes coming out at the same time. So that's double the load, which is also kind of part of the delay. So bear with us. Excuse us for that. Um, and, and definitely let us know. Email us to discerninggeeks at gmail.com let us know what you think post on facebook we've got to, we post every episode feel free to make comments um, or post on our facebook page what you want to hear about um, if you like these episodes don't like these episodes we'd love to hear from you so we look forward to talking to you guys next week we'll have a new episode we'll get to see how our predictions come out uh, as always, guys, it's been a pleasure. Love talking to you and hope all of our discerning geeks out there have a great week. May the force be with you. Always.